Matthew, the second chapter. We're going to start out just with the first two verses. And we know that over the last several weeks, we've, we've looked at the why and the how Jesus came to this earth that he created. Uh, the why, we, we've gone over several times. He, he came because of sin, on account of sin. We got that from Romans 8, on account of sin. Uh, the how, the miracle of the virgin birth. And we, we looked at that and we, we looked at the story of the shepherds and when they came and, or the, the angels came to the shepherds. And today we're going to continue the story one more week, uh, cause there's, there's a group of men that we haven't talked about yet. Some of you kids want to tell me who these guys are referred to anybody? The wise men. We haven't looked at the wise men yet and today we're going to do that and and i pray in the midst as we go through this that you can see why i want to talk about this story because we've talked about spiritual warfare in the midst of all things and and we're going to talk about it a little bit more and you're going to see it in the midst of this story of the warfare that goes on in trying to kill Jesus Christ, which ultimately they did upon the cross, but all according to God's plan. But not until then could that happen. And so today, all of this is going to kind of help us see a little bit more of the full picture and why I wanted to include, include this of the wise men today. So let's read the first two verses. I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for your word. And and I pray now, Lord, that you you would open your word to us to help us see you more to help us see more clearly the story to help us see the spiritual warfare that goes on and has gone on in the midst of since the time of creation so lord help us to stay attentive lord help me to not waver but stay in your truth and it's in jesus name i pray amen now let's consider the magi or the wise men who are they of these particular wise men we only know what Matthew tells us, which is very little. It's very little. We don't know how many there were. Sing the song, We Three Kings. I don't know where they came up with the three, but I guess maybe the gifts. And they thought maybe, well, there was one for each gift, but we don't know that. We don't know how many. Uh, we don't know their names. We don't know their means of transportation, how they got there. We don't know what country they came from, so we don't know exactly how far, but it had to be a great distance. But we do know from biblical history of other accounts of magi or wise men in the Bible, and they were considered to be men of knowledge. And those who were in political power often looked to these men for counsel. And as I considered that, one of the accounts that at least came to my mind, let, let's go back and let's remember for just a moment in, in the book of Daniel where King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the, the king of Babylon, had his dreams. And he wanted them interpreted. What does these dreams 
mean? And, and who did he call? Do you remember? He, he called for the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians to interpret his dream. And of course, they couldn't do it. And so what did he do? Well, Nebuchadnezzar got angry. And he started killing the wise men of the land. Uh, Daniel 2, verse 12 tells us that. For this reason, because they couldn't interpret his dream, the king was angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. Now, Daniel hears of this. Daniel sends word. Stop killing these men. I can interpret your dream. And, and so Daniel does, and he saves the lives of many of these wise men. And then Daniel, remember, gets promoted. Well, let's read of that. Daniel 2, verse 48. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon. Now listen to this. And chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Now, perhaps, here I'm going to put a perhaps in here, because I love how it seems we have these little clues, and, and, and this is me just, just thinking. Perhaps, and only perhaps, it was through Daniel that wise men from a pagan land got a glimpse of the one and true living God. And perhaps it was through Daniel that they heard of a, a star of prophecy. Perhaps they had heard of Numbers twenty four seventeen. I see him, but not now. I, I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel. And, and again, we don't know much about these particular wise men in Matthew 2, but I do know that they are being led by God by a supernatural star. So, so we do know that. And, and it seems that this star, did it take them directly to where Jesus Christ was at first? No. Where did it take them first? It took them to the palace, to the place where where Herod was. And, and then it seems in the story that the star disappeared for a little while and then it would come back. And keep in mind, this is all according to God's plan. This encounter with Herod and all this part of this story had to happen and had to be here. And for me, it, it, it is proof that God is by divine intervention moving all aspects of this story along. The wise men recognize the star as a sign from God. They feel compelled, drawn by God to find him, find the Christ, find the Messiah, find this child and worship him. And it led them to Bethlehem. And then they ask a question. Where is he who is born king of the Jews? And Herod gets wind of this and he's troubled. Matthew 2, verse 3. We're going to work our way through this story this morning. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Now get this. And all Jerusalem with him. Well, who's Herod? Can, can we do just a, as, as we go through this, just a bit of a history lesson so we kind of talk about this and, and maybe have a little more understanding of this. Herod was not Jewish. 
uh, from, from what I can understand, he was an Edomite. How did he come into power here? Well, in, in the year 47 B.C., Rome appointed Herod governor of the region. Aren't you thankful that we have historic record as well? He, he became uh, governor of the region. Then in 37 B.C., they gave Herod a new title. And here's, here's the thing that causes Herod to be troubled. Guess what his new title is called? King of the Jews. That's the title that they gave to Herod back in uh, 37 B.C. So do you sense a conflict brewing, at least in Herod's mind? Herod was not a kind and benevolent king, much uh, to the contrary. Herod was cruel and merciless, much like Nebuchadnezzar when Nebuchadnezzar found out that those wise men couldn't interpret his dream and he started having them put to death. Herod had his own wife killed, assassinated. Herod had his three sons killed, assassinated for fear that they might try to take over his throne before he was ready to relinquish it. This is who Herod was. He was an evil, wicked man. And so the wise men come asking, where is this born king of the Jews? You see the conflict. Wait a minute. I thought I was king of the Jews. And so he's troubled and all of Jerusalem with them. Why all of Jerusalem with them? Because when this wicked king is upset, bad things happen. Do you understand that? That's why they were all concerned as well. So what does Herod do? Well, he calls a meeting first with the religious leaders. uh, Verse 4 now in Matthew 2. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them, where is the Christ to be born? Now notice, did you notice a little difference here? You know, what, what did the, uh, the wise men ask? Where is the one to be born king of the Jews? And, and, and Herod asked where the Christ was to be born. There's a difference. So apparently, and again, apparently, it seems Herod knew enough of the prophecies to know there may be a day coming where there's going to be a problem. And it seems perhaps he knew of this Christ, this Messiah, the, the, the one that would be the true heir to the throne, the, the one chosen by God, not the one chosen by Rome. Do you see that? <laughs> How important is that for us to keep in mind even today? That we follow the one chosen by God, not the one chosen by Rome or any other country that may be lifted up someday. The religious leader, they answered Herod's inquiry. That's in verse 5 and 6. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, of the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, who who are they quoting? Well, we can go to Micah 5, 2. Let's go there and just so we'll know that this is in the Old Testament. For you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler of Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. So this reveals and confirms that Bethlehem would be the birthplace of the Messiah, of the Christ, of the King of the Jews. 
So Herod is shrewd. He is scheming. He is armed with this new information, and he secretly sets up a meeting with these wise men. That's verse 7. Verse 7. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. Okay, guys, how long ago was it you saw this star? Now, we're not told the answer, are we? We, we, we don't know, but since we know the rest of the story, we know that apparently it was two years or less. Had to be somewhere in that time frame. In, in the eighth verse now, Matthew 2. And he sent them, Herod sent the wise men, to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Liar. 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 No, he, he has no intention of going and worshiping this child. What's his intention? To send soldiers to kill that child. That's his intention. The wise men leave. Herod's plan is set. Come back, tell me. I'll send the soldiers, kill the child. End of story. <laughs> wrong. How wrong was he? Verses 9 and 10. <clears throat> When they, when the wise men heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star, it's back. Behold, the star, which they had seen in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. I like that, don't you? They rejoiced. Not, not just with joy, not just with great joy, but with exceedingly great joy. But what about the angel that came to the shepherds? I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. So aren't you thankful for those little reminders? And so the wise men follow the star. They find the child for whom they had so diligently searched for. And at last they do what? You know what they did. They brought their gifts. Let's, let's read it now. Let's go to verse 11. Matthew 2, verse 11. And when they had come into the house, so let me pause. They're not in the stable anymore. They're in a house. Apparently waiting. They're waiting on God. They're waiting on instructions of what to do next. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So they literally fall down before him. Worship him, glory to the newborn king, worship him, and give him gifts. The three gifts, and much, much has been said and talked about these three gifts. Uh, let me just spend a little bit of time here. Gold, the most precious metal known at the time, an appropriate symbol of for royalty, for a true king, you see. Frankincense. An expensive incense that was only used for special occasions, and it was used in the temple. They would light the incense, and, and what did the smoke represent that came off the incense? It, it, it was a picture of the prayers that was going up to God. And, and so what, what a fitting thing, giving frankincense to Jesus, who's going to intercede prayers for us, you see. Then comes a more unusual gift, but we have, a, I believe, a, a, a good understanding of why. Myrrh, myrrh. An expensive aromatic spice that when mixed with wine was used as an anesthetic. 
and, and was also used for the embalming of the dead. What a strange gift to give a, a child. But know who the child is. What's going to happen some 30-something years later when Jesus is on the cross and they're there and He's in agony on the cross and a soldier lifts up to Him a sponge with what? With myrrh. With myrrh. To, to help kill the pain. And He refused it. So, so I see this as, as a, a whispering of His death. A whispering of his humanity as he would die on the cross. Gold for Christ's royalty, frankincense for his deity, and myrrh to represent his humanity. Now, we don't know what Joseph and Mary did with these gifts, but but it, it seems very reasonable to me to assume that they used these gifts to finance the upcoming trip to Egypt, and that they would have finances that they could live and wait out until they could come back to their, their homeland. Isn't that a good God? Isn't that a good God that would provide this? And so what do the wise men do next? Verse 12. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. <laughs> Now, I believe this gives us proof that the role of the wise men is of God because in a dream, He divinely warns them. He divinely told them of the star and to follow it and, and where it was going to take them to, the king of the Jews. And now He divinely warns them, don't go back to Herod. And they went back home another way. Now, let's go to verse 13 through 18. Matthew 2, 13 through 18. Now when they had departed, the wise men had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. So more prophecies being fulfilled. Verse 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all the districts from two years old and under according to the time which he had, in, had determined from the wise men. Did you grasp the depths of the depravity and the evil in the midst of what I just read? He sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under. Verse 17, Then was fulfilled... What was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet saying, A voice was heard in Ramah lamentation, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Can you imagine the weeping that was going on in that region? I, I don't know how big a region it was. 
Bethlehem and all its districts. Can, can you only imagine how many little baby boys were slaughtered? Herod became exceedingly angry. The, the, the Greek words are leonthumu, which means a very intense rage, meaning Herod was literally out of his mind with rage, out of control. And I believe he was out of control of himself because he was under control of somebody else. And who's that? His father, the devil. His father, the devil. Herod's plan, if he, if, if he can't locate this one individual child, he'll, he'll have all the baby boys of the region killed, and he does. Perhaps the, the most heinous act that, that Herod committed in profi- prophecy fulfilled. Now, through the years from this pulpit, I've, I've talked about the spiritual warfare that surrounded the life of Jesus Christ at his birth and even before his birth. And I believe that Satan and his demonic legion had been at work since the Garden of Eden to stop the lineage of the one who would come, the Christ, the Messiah, the King of the Jews. Why would I say that? Genesis 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and And her seed, who is this seed? This is Christ. This is Christ. He will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. See, throughout the Old Testament, you you can read of how close the lineage of Jesus was to coming to an end. Uh, But know this, God's plan would not be thwarted by anyone throughout history. Old Testament history, and into the the, the Gospels. Esau sought to kill his brother Jacob. What would that have done? Jacob was was the father of the the twelve tribes. In in 2 Chronicles, you can read of a sole survivor, one, one that was left to carry on the lineage of Christ. Can you imagine that? One. And we're not going to read it today, but you can, if you want to put a note there, it's 2 Chronicles 21, and, and it takes it into, into 22. And, and you know this is that God preserved Joash as a, as a baby. And he became king at, get this, seven years old. So the lineage of Christ, they had got it down to one baby. Can you imagine that? But God's plan would not be thwarted. How about Saul trying to kill David? What about the story of of Esther where Haman had set to have all the Jews killed? But God raised up Esther for such a time as this. You see why? Because the lineage must go on. I see these events as evil men being manipulated by Satan to try and stop the very lineage of the king of kings, the king of the Jews. And we talked about it a few weeks ago, I guess, when we talked about Joseph and him hearing of the the news that, that Mary was with child and it wasn't his. 
Can you imagine the warfare that went on in his mind? Because we read, when we read about that, we said, we read that Joseph was troubled. And can you imagine the warfare going on in his mind? Because he had the right, according to the law of the day, to have her stoned to death. And can't you imagine the wicked forces that were surrounding him saying, put her to death, put her to death. Trying to kill the child even before he could be born. And what about the warfare that transpired on the night that Christ was born? And again, I alluded to this in a a sermon a week or two ago, but I didn't read this verse. And I guess the reason I didn't is so I could use it today. But let's go to Revelation 12. Oh, was there warfare going on at the time that Jesus was born? Oh, yes. Revelation 12, verses 4 and 5. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Now let me pause. This is talking about the old dragon. This is talking about Satan. And he took half of the angels of heaven with him to earth. Now I've talked about this through the years. There's a third that's that's working with Satan, but we have two-thirds on our side. Aren't you thankful for that? So he... His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to earth. And the dragon, listen to this, and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. Did it happen? No. Can you imagine the warfare that was going on there? She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Do you... Get a, a picture of the manger, of a stable, of, of the place where Jesus was to be born. Do you get a picture of a demonic legion that is all around to kill this child at the moment he is being born? Warfare? Yes. But who else is there? But who else is there? God's army, God's angels, Luke 2, verses 13 and 14. Let's remind ourselves. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on on earth, peace, goodwill toward man. Now, that, that a host of hosts, the, the, the word translated of host in the Greek is stratia and could be translated as army. And has been translated as army. So, so you get that? This is not just a, a, a pretty little choir that's up there in their pretty little robes and singing their little songs. No, no, this is an angelic army ready for battle. Warriors sent to protect the child from the dragon. Spiritual warfare. Satan seeking to devour the child as soon as he was born. Satan failed to kill Jesus as a baby. Herod's plan failed, but years later, a little over 30 years later, I believe Satan thought he had finally, finally, finally had the defeat he had been longing for since the Garden of Eden. Jesus Christ died upon the cross. Did Satan win? No. 
No, of course not. Again, that lyric from the song we sing, Glorious Day. But death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him from rising again. You see, the plans of God would not and cannot be thwarted. Satan's plan was again defeated by Jesus' resurrection power. Jesus has ascended back to the Father to be our intercessor. Now, but now, what is Satan doing now? He can't kill the child. He can't kill the Word made flesh. He already did that and it didn't work. So what's he doing now? Now, in the time, the short time that he has left before he's going to be thrown into the lake of fire with those third that he brought with him, aren't they going to be thankful for what they did for them, right? Lake of fire awaiting them. Here's what he's doing now. Revelation 12, let's go to the next verse. Verse 17. Verse 17, or, or down to verse 17. And the dragon was enraged with the woman. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Well, who's the offspring? Well, it's the children of God. Uh, the, 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 the ones who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's the born again. That's the children of God. And so what, what is Satan doing? Now, he couldn't touch Jesus. And keep him down. So what's he trying to do? And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. Making war against those who are the image of Jesus Christ. The ones being made into the likeness, molded to be more and more like Jesus Christ. Do you see the depths of this story when you really look at it? of what the evil forces were doing and trying to kill Jesus, and even now are still at work on planet Earth to war against us as children of God. So if there's anything to take from this story of the wise men that I've, 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 we've looked at today, take this, be prepared for battle, because the old dragon is still on the loose. He is a roaring lion seeking whom he can what? destroy and that still is going on today so knowing that what should we do what should we do we 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 should be ready don't don't be, don't be caught unaware put on the armor be a good soldier so let's read this let's do this let's go to ephesians 6 and let's just read it we've read it throughout the years and and i'm sure we'll read it many many times if the lord Let's me remain. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. Since we know, since we know the old dragon is still there and is still out to get his revenge, to, to, to mess up the lives of those who are the children of God, be prepared. Be prepared. Ephesians 6. 10 through 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the, in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You see, war yet wages against the child of God. Amen? Be equipped, be prepared, stand in the power of His might. Now, I don't want to end there. I want us to go and finish (laughs) the story that that we began today in Matthew 2. Let's go back. Let's go back into Matthew 2. Even, Even though for us living here on this earth... All these things we just talked about of the war being waged against us, against us that's, the, that's the important thing for us to remember. Now, history will tell us that Herod dies shortly after that horrible, heinous crime of killing all those baby boys. Now, here we pick it up in Matthew 2, verse 19. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judah instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. You know, didn't, didn't we sing a song this morning that talked about that? I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean, Jesus of Nazareth. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful? And then for some 30 years, the Son of God will reside with, I'm going to say Joseph and Mary. We don't know how long Joseph is still in the picture because apparently, and again, this is one of those things we don't know for sure, but apparently he dies somewhere along the line because he is not there at the cross. He is not there with Mary. And, and, and Jesus asked, asked John, take, take care of my mother because Joseph's not a pick in the picture anymore. And so, so we know for a time he's, he's with Joseph and, and, and Mary in Nazareth. And we can go to Luke now, Luke chapter 2, and verses 51 and 2, 52, and we'll close out the story with this. 
And I call it a story, and I hope you're never offended if I call it a story. No, this is biblical account. You know, it's not just a story. It, it, it's, it's fact. It's true. It's, it's biblical account. But he, Jesus, went down with them, Mary and Joseph, and came to Nazareth and was subject to them, subject to his parents. <laughs> Do I need to say anything here, parents? Children are subject under the authority of your parents. You do what mom and dad says. Unless it is something that goes against the word of God. And if you had godly parents, that's probably not going to happen. Could happen, I suppose. But you obey your parents. That's what it's saying. He he obeyed his parents. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Until such a time that John the Baptist proclaims, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And when I say that, you know what I mean. For all those who would bow before Him in faith, by grace through faith, believing and receiving Christ. And so if I could end with any note, I would just ask the question, do you know Him? Do you know this one born King of the Jews? Do you know this Savior? Do you know this Redeemer? Do you know Him? And if not, by grace through faith, call upon Him. Let's end with Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And again, saved from what? Well, saved from wrath. Saved from the wrath of God that will one day fall upon all unbelievers. Be saved from hell. Be saved from eternal judgment and, and, and torture. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Amen. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for your word. And and Lord, I, I pray that you would instill in the hearts and minds of everyone who's listening the, the importance of, of your plan, of, of how you have worked your plan through the time of creation until now and that you will continue your plan, and nothing will thwart your plan. So, Father, I, I pray that should there be one listening who is still lost, they're still in darkness, they're still dead in their trespasses and sins, that, Lord, by, by a miracle that only you can do, that by your grace and by your mercy, you would open their eyes, their spiritual eyes, to see the truth of your word, that you would open their spiritual ears that everything that they have heard of the gospel of Christ would come alive and become real for them. That they would know 
that they have heard the truth. And Lord, that, that they would get a glimpse of, of you, most holy and righteous God. And, and in seeing you and your holiness and righteousness and, and their, their sins all exposed. They're standing before you, a sinner. And they now know that they are a sinner. And they now know that apart from some redeeming power of where their eternal destination will be, and it will be with their eternal father, Satan. So, Father, I pray that you would grant them faith that they might believe. And, Lord, as they believe and and they begin confessing sin to you, the Father, that you would grant repentance. And, Lord, as they receive Christ as Lord and Savior, I pray just draw them to yourself. Make them eternally your own, Father. And help them all the remainder days of their lives to follow you. And, Father, for those who are born again, I pray that we're we're just reminded all the the more of grace and mercy. That we're reminded all the more of being saved by grace through faith. And so, Father, as this is this the beginning of a new year for us, that you would help us to have a determination of heart, that we would have a purpose of heart to follow you, and not after the things of the world, but to follow you and to be about your business, Lord, to be about the things that would honor you and glorify you. And everything that we would say and do, may it bring honor and glory to you. So help us, Father, to... Use our time wisely. Help us to always be mindful of Christ and of such a great salvation. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.